the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Welcome and thank you for tuning into one more episode of Sake On Air, the world's number one podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts, one of your regular hosts here on this show. And you may have noticed that we're up to something just a little bit different this week. In an ideal world, we'd bring all of you listeners a brand new episode each and every week. While we sadly can't see that happening in the immediate future, in the process of creating or preparing for many of our episodes, we actually end up with a lot of really fun and insightful conversations that sadly just don't make it into a final episode. Whether it be interviews conducted in an attempt to broaden our perspective and gain further insight into a specific topic before attempting to tackle it, or some unanticipated tangent that just occurs during a regular recording that we can't bring ourselves to carve up, but at the same time we also can't force into the overall structure of the show. And we've continued to really amass quite a bit of material that we would love to share with our listeners at some point and in some capacity. And so that's what we're testing the waters with this week in what is our first, but hopefully not the last, episode of Okawari. In Japanese, the term Okawari refers to ordering another round. Essentially, if you're asking for Okawari, you want to keep the party going. And that's what we hope this week's show and future Okawari installments can bring to the table. As part of the process of examining the world of Nigori Sake for episode 60, we thought it would be interesting to get a little bit of insight into the US market's unique attachment to this special style. And in order to do that, we called up Sake Expert, Certified Sake Samurai, and so self-imposed Sake Ninja, Chris Johnson, to share with us the evolution and status of that style in the US. One thing for sure is that we will definitely be coaxing the Sake Ninja to reappear on some future episodes, as there are dozens of topics that we'd absolutely love to pick his brain on, and he really deserves a whole feature episode all his own. And so that's kind of one of the reasons that we're giving this week's conversation an Okawati status. Our chat with Chris is both great supportive material for our previous episode, while at the same time it provides more than enough substance to be full of satisfying as a standalone episode, all in its own right. And actually, we've got lots of material in the vault that we could use to pour you all another round of your favorite past topics and guests, and even entirely new snippets and insights from folks that you actually haven't heard from on air yet. Let us know what you think of this concept, and we're going to go ahead and see what we can do to figure out how best to develop the format for the future. Thanks again so much for tuning in this week, and enjoy our episode with the Sake Ninja himself, Chris Johnson. Um, yeah, and first I'll just have you introduce yourself. And so for, right, so we need, everybody needs to know who, who the Sake Ninja is. You're going to be outed in this episode. Yeah, here um, we go. You're, you're <laughs> supposed to be concealed under, under darkness and in secrecy. However, we're joined by Chris Johnson, the Sake Ninja. Uh, and Chris, you're joining us from New York this evening. Thank you so much for making time. I greatly appreciate it. And I would love it if you could just let me and our listeners know what a sake ninja does uh, be 
largely behind the scenes, but you're, you're, you're out there on the move uh, quite a bit as well too. So why don't you let us know what keeps you busy in the world of sake? Well, so as a, as a sake fan and lover for many, many years, I have, I have earned different categories of, uh, of various titles and names. Uh, the sake ninja being somewhat of a self, uh, a self-named uh, yeah. moniker. Uh, that I created uh, many years ago uh, before I became an actual true sake samurai. Uh, so that was that was part of the, the whole story, but we can get into that in a little bit. Um, I currently work uh, for an importer called World Sake Imports, um, and I run around trying to get sake to the people and share knowledge and, and share the love of the sake with more people throughout the United States. And educating salespeople so they they can get this wonderful beverage that we're all here for um out there as often as and as much as possible uh, i've worked in the restaurant industry for a very long time here in new york so the part of my sake ninja kind of sneaking in the background stuff was that i was always supporting sake without necessarily having a job in the industry mm-hmm. um, now i currently have a job in the industry but prior to that it was I was always just a big fan of sake and I'd sneak it onto menus where people didn't think it would live. And then I, you know, had it at, when I owned restaurants, I made sure that we sold sake, even though we were Vietnamese restaurants and we used it at our bar that wasn't, was an Australian bar and, you know, always trying to work sake in there somewhere. So that was part of, you know, that background sake ninja not being seen. And then, (laughs) um, that was part of the fun. You know, one of the jokes when I first came up with the name Asaki Ninja, I was out with a whole bunch of brewers and they started to introduce me as a sake samurai. And I was like, I don't have that title, but I was, I was getting <laughs> all sorts of something else. <laughs> so I did, I did. It had happened so often that I'd, I'd been, I saw it coming that night. Like every time I was out, they just assumed I was a sake samurai. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's great that you think I am. And because yeah. I've been doing sake since 96 and have yeah. been around and done all these things. Yeah. That's great. I love that yeah. you think that, but I haven't gotten that title. So can't use that. That's a re- that's a real thing that exists. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I'd had just enough sake yeah. uh, and I got up from the table and like, did like a ninja move and, and said, uh, I'm, I'm not a samurai, I'm a ninja. You don't see me, I'm in the background. Yeah. And then I said, see, ask him. And I pointed to the person next to him and I, I filled the guy's glass who was looking and he came back and the glass was full. And I see, I said, see, look, ninja. <laughs> um, like you didn't even see it happen, how good I am. And that's kind of where Saki Ninja came from. And then of course I turned it into a consulting company and all those fun things, but that's, that's the ninja side of me. Beautiful, you know? beautiful. And then you were what? knighted anointed a, a samurai um, and then you then, yes. then they pulled you to the forefront yeah they both they, <laughs> 2013 i i got the the uh the nod for the sake ninja yeah. um but oh, oh working i'm i'm part of the joy of sake i've been a judge for the u.s national sake appraisal since it started in 2000 judge at iwc all those all those fun uh fun components of being out there but you know the most fun I feel the best part of my job in general or being a ninja is getting out there and sharing this beautiful beverage with people. Like that's the most fun and that's the greatest part of it. You know, it's uh, judging is, is a wonderful honor. Awesome. Really the best part is going to, you know, we're going to launch in Tennessee and I'm going to get in Tennessee and meeting someone who's never had sake or only thought it was hot sake um, in a container or possibly had only experienced 
Nagori, yeah. for example, um, and then be able to share all the different aspects of it that every Nagori isn't just sweet and sake can be all these different things. And that's where the real, real joy comes from. Cool. Excellent. So, well, Chris, I've, I've wanted to just sit you down for a whole episode and pick your brain on all your experiences and thoughts and feelings for a while. And I definitely want to set up another opportunity to do that. Um, today is, I, we're kind of focusing in just a little bit today and we're putting together some stuff on Nigori. So I thought I'd, I was like, gosh, who should I, who should I talk to who would have a little bit of uh, perspective on how this is um, living in the industry and sort of how it's evolved and changed, at least in relation to the U.S. Mar market and the and the territories that you're primarily dealing in. Um, so I thought I'd just pick your brain a little bit here. Yeah, um, let's go. And, and sort of talk about, it. yeah, let's do it. So like I say, you said you've been doing Let's, you know, so first, I mean, the U.S. market, from what I understand, has had a penchant for nigorizake in a way that a lot of other regions, countries, territories, including Japan, don't have and have never had. Is that, are you, is that true? Is that, are you seeing that in the numbers and in what's happening and in restaurant and retail and things? I think, you know, you do. There's... I did some research, uh, reached out to some of my, my friends, and I've been working with sake since 1996, like working in restaurants, and I consulted for other importers before I ended up where the diet I am now. So I've always been exposed to it. In the research of like what's happening today, based on the information I was able to gather, I'd say somewhere around 15% to 20% of all sake sold in the U.S. are nagoris which is crazy. Like that's a that's pretty bonkers. large number. Um, you know, bonkers. some importers it's way lower, but you know, and then other, other places or producers, it's quite a bit higher. Like, you know, some people were at 7%, some people are all the way up at 30%. So you get yeah. a pretty big window yeah. what's happening, but there's a lot of Nagori drank here. Yeah. And I, I think for me in the beginning, when I first started getting into, it, I think part of the reason was that it makes sense. Mm. You're telling me, you know, before we all started professing that sake is sake, it's been around for 2000 years, you can just call it Nihonshu, or you can call it sake, and you don't have to call it rice wine. Yeah. But when you're calling it rice wine, it makes sense, right? It's a white, cloudy, yeah. thick beverage with rice particles in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's an alcoholic drink that is made from rice, like it yeah. sort of paints that picture and makes sense for those people who've never had it before. So yeah. when you, you know, even now, when we do our classes, even, you know, in Japan, or here or wherever, yeah. And you have this beautiful aromatic ginjo in a wine glass and people are still like, wait, this is made from rice. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, well, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah. There's a, there's and, a, there's kind of an immediate disconnect, like for at least right. at the beginning, you have to you, get that, it, that moment of confusion yeah. in your eyes, like, hey, what's going on here? And so being cloudy made sense, right? right? It was much easier. It was an easier approach. Right. Other side of things, I think in the beginning and, and part of, this this cloudy love is we like sweet yeah i mean not just americans but people in general but we flow to the the sweeter is easier to like it's a little bit more approachable right you had back even in 1990s when i came back from japan you know you kind of had hot sake or nagori right yeah. yes there were other sakes available yes there are importers that are bringing wonderful sake in before that mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that those didn't exist but it just yeah. wasn't as broad yep. it wasn't as available so it was yeah. super hot sake or this cloudy white thing and yeah. the hot sake could be fun but it also was alcoholic and then you had this kind of sweet 
fun textured milky beverage that like hey you know this makes sense to me yeah i think that's part of where a lot of it went um i'd say i drank nigori more when i lived in japan mm. than i did back here it wasn't really my favorite of the categories like it's just mm. not it was never something when i was trying to learn more about sake mm. nigori wasn't where i went yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. it was yeah it was like let me there's Out of all, all these the other nuance things out there yeah right and Nagori didn't necessarily have all those nuances before. I think yeah. one of the things that is really cool about Nagori mm -hmm. is that it's changing, yeah. or at least it's changing to me and the expressions of it. And I think that's really cool. But again, that, that beginning idea of why Nagori is so popular here is I think in the beginning, it's just, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right? absolutely. And it fills that sweet gap. Yeah. So, Right, right. Sweetness is just kind of, it's very immediate, right? Especially when you're yeah. trying to latch onto something that you don't have familiarity with. Like it's a, it's a, right. it's the first one that kind of speaks to you on a, on a, on a kind of a sensory level. It, right. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting that you sort of related it to warmer to hot sake back in, back in the day, I guess. And that you're yeah. right. They both, while they're, the experience is very, very different. They're both equally iconic in a way. Right when you're yeah. when you're when you're looking at a way to say differentiate from other of other categories and beverage categories and things, That's and then when you're studying or like me trying to learn more and you don't normally judge nigoris, so when you're getting in exposed to these things and events like the joy of sake and yeah. these really cool, no one's not that no one's serving nigori. You can get it there, but yeah. most of the time, brewers or what you're judging is this Daiginjo and this Junmai and these Yamahais and Genshus and Marokas and all these crazy other information. And so mm. it's like, I want to learn more about those like Nigori. Okay. At least what I believed before. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that's yeah. changed. But yeah. you know, in the beginning I was like, yeah, okay. Cloudy, sweet, ricey, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. All right. Next, you know, yeah, like I can absolutely. move past it. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting Nigori, point too. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I was just saying, it's an interesting point too, you said about, about judging and that you're right, even though it's a historically perfectly relevant style, it doesn't get represented on those types of stages. It just doesn't get its own representation. And right. so when it's removed from those sort of scenarios, it kind of gets moved out of, it, it loses mind share when it, when it doesn't get a place on those stages, I guess. And also, you know, obviously there's all the laws and things in Japan about yeah. not being able to make it and you mm -hmm. couldn't have it or it wasn't allowed for X yeah. amount of time and all yeah. that history. But here we didn't have that. So it was like, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. And I love when I talk to people, when they say, ask about Nagori, is it good or bad? And I go, well, listen, all of the sake you drink was Nagori at one point mm. before yeah. we pressed it <laughs> and removed yeah. the lees. It was yeah. some version of Nagori before yeah. we changed it to become yeah. something different, right? Yeah. So it's it's all good like it's not a different beverage it, yeah it is a different you know it's a different category and different things have happened but it's still it's all sake right yeah. it's all in that one barrel and yeah. uh it's super fun to be able to see how it changes sasa nagoris and usu nagoris and yeah. sparkling nagoris and mm -hmm. like it's this this dimension of where this has come is is kind of great i I like where it's going. You know, I, I try and get people to step away from only drinking to go, Oh, I only like Nagori. I was like, really sure. Let's, you know, let me try and let's, let's take a walk down this different path. And I'm not trying to tell them never drink Nagori or that it's not good. It's Hey, let's see what else you might enjoy. 
right? Yeah. The same thing as when you're drinking, sharing wine or whiskeys or all that. It's like, oh, it's great that you love that one whiskey, but let's let's try something else. For me, with the with the Nagori drinkers, it's trying to share them, bring them somewhere else. But now we have, I think, just so many more expressions of Nagori happening, right? Yeah. And like, it's it's no longer a twist on amazake or whatever yeah. like people picture it as like yeah. it's not just that drink it's like it can be so much more and yeah. you have bold ones and you have earthy ones and you have daiginjos sometimes now with some of the producers that are making you know you wouldn't think that and now there's these beautiful beautiful nagoris out there that have ginjoka and aromatics versus just being a cloudy white sweet drink that you know was the the initial vision of it for a long yeah. time for me at least yeah yeah absolutely that, that sort of leads me into my next question a bit is you know talking about this different variations and these sort of different depictions of the nigori style uh, in japan it's really even even though it's very 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 minor as a style in japan the variation on that style has expanded just exponentially probably even in just the last 10 years or so how are you seeing, you know, you're, you're talking about numbers of close to 20% for a lot of places that are serving Nigori style. How have you seen that variation start to play out in the markets that you're in? Are you seeing increased demand for it? Is it something that's being born from that pre-existing penchant for Nigori? Or is it something that is being discovered or rediscovered as a result of people sort of being pulled away and now coming back sort of how is that how is that sort of playing out um in, in I think the marketplace it's a, I think it's a pretty cool combination of both right it's kind of like you know we mentioned hot sake and it's I'm going to correlate them back one more time right hot sake yeah. for a little while there we were kind of not officially teaching but like mm -hmm. remember there was a point where hot sake hot sake equals bad sake right yeah. there was this whole like yeah. thing that happened yeah and we're always trying to educate, but it was it was drink cold sake, drink cold sake, trying to get people to understand the next category, right? And it's the same thing as like, oh, Nagori is great, but hey, you got to try these other things, yeah, right? And yeah. now we have this whole return to drink warm sake, and there's all these wonderful sakes that are really great when they're not just cold. Yeah. Like you got to expand your vision. Now yeah. we finally got you think seeing sake as a real category. Yeah. Now we're going to tell you like, bring that warm back because it's amazing yeah. when it's warm. And it's also sometimes good when it's actually hot. Like yeah. there's some really good sakes that taste yeah. wonderful when you get up over a hundred and, you know, five degrees and, and go up to 140 and all these, like you're getting some serious heat, right? Yeah. It's like getting really warm. Yeah but they're delicious and they work. I think Nagori is kind of having its own shining moment, just mm. how Kanzaki kind of kind of did where we were reintroducing it. And it's like, hey, remember that Nagori you had that you thought was wonderful? Come back and try this now that it's not just super thick. It's yeah. got elegance and, and again, like a Sasa Nagori or an Usu Nagori where it's light and it's just soft, lightly cloudy, but it still has that texture. I think one of the things that's super fun with the levels of what we do with Nagori is that it has texture. Like it yeah. gives this another, whole nother level of texture to the beverage you're drinking. And I think that's really fun. And I think that's a good thing. Like I like where that's going. And I, I yeah. think it's starting to show up in, in the markets. Uh, there's a little bit more people asking about it. Like some of our customers have always asked what other Nagoris do you have? And we were, yeah. for the longest time, even as a buyer, 
when I worked in restaurants, when you'd go to World Sake, they had one nigori. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. it out of yeah. the whole portfolio. Yeah. There was only one. Now we have two, plus we have, you know, a, a, a lightly or usu nigori, a salsa nigori now too. Yeah. So it's like, this is changing even within a portfolio that I now currently work with. Um, yeah. But I see, I am seeing more nigoris in the market. Forever, it was just the very specific companies that had nigoris. But now you're seeing a lot more of these variations that are giving Nagori a second chance, I guess, mm. like in that that mm. vision of, you know, yes, America has a love affair with Nagori, but that love affair with Nagori is, was more of what we described earlier. Yeah. I think this is the second, you know, it's the second the wave. Renewing, <laughs> renewing our vows with yeah. Nagori round two. All <laughs> yeah, uh, right, like come stepping, stepping back into it with this opportunity to, to expand your vision of what Nagori can be. And I think that's, I mean, that's the aha moment fun for me with new Nagoris is um, somebody goes, oh, I didn't really like Nagori. I was like, well, yeah. let's talk about it. What didn't you yeah. like? Why do you like clear sock? Okay, this is a super fun beverage. You should try it. Like this yeah. is going to bring your brain to a new place when it comes to being Nagori. I mean, even for me, I'm the guy who says, I don't really like Nagori, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you have some of these wonderful products. You're like, okay. You know, I'm one of those guys that says, if it's delicious, it's delicious. I don't yeah. care if it's not in my category. Like, yeah, it's a delicious beverage. It's a delicious beverage. So, yeah. you know, even if I'm not a big Nagori fan and you put this beautiful Nagori in front of me, I'm going to be like, yeah, we can drink this. All yeah. right, cheers. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, there's, I love the way the brewers in Japan are, it's constant innovation and constant looking at new things and modern techniques have now allowed Nagori to be different than it was even 22 years ago or yeah. 24 years ago right like yeah. it's all changing yeah um and I think that's that's awesome and yeah. the willingness to adapt to the market and the needs I think is part of why we have such a wonderful industry that we both work in yeah. but this ability to, to look to new opportunities or new customers or how do we widen our base by hey let's try this and you know i love having more things in my bag in your, of in your toolkit yeah. yeah right like in that toolkit now having these different versions of nagori being uber elegant and having ginjoka yeah. right that wasn't my experience when i first had nagori in new york that wasn't yeah. the experience you were getting right so yeah. now that you have these things it's like Oh yeah, man, I can do so much with it. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Nagori is fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. And I'm curious. So I mean, in, in Japan, at least I should say in recent history, Nigori hasn't necessarily been looked at as a quote unquote premium product in in many cases. Not all, but in many. A lot of times you'll have producers and let's say they make 15 or 20 different products, they might have one or two Nigori and their baseline one is generally pretty reasonably priced. It's not the bottle that most places, not all, would traditionally, that's not the one that they would necessarily bring to the, they would, it's not the one that they would bring to the party as the representation of what they're, what they're all about, I guess, you know, right. it's not that they're ashamed of it by any means. Of course, they're making it. It's a great beverage, but of all the things in their, in their catalog, it wasn't what they would feature per se. Whereas you're looking at the U S market where you've got potentially, you know, 15 to 20% of the largest sake market outside of Japan, essentially asking for 
iniquity, right? There's right. a clear, right? There's a clear, I'm wondering in a role as say a, you know, as an importer, as a distributor in your discussions in, with the actual producers, you know, when you're going to them say, okay, what, what are we gonna bring over? What do we need for this portfolio? Have you noticed any sort of a, I don't know if it's reluctance, but has been a reluctance to bring Nigori over because they necessarily don't, might not think it's representative or are they, or is it the type of thing where they can see that there's a demand for it and they're all for it? Um, and sort of how has that, is that, has that conversation changed or evolved at all over time and sort of in relation to the US market specifically? I think they're getting to understand and it's still growing, right? Nigori yeah. is still getting its place. We, and I'm not involved directly with that, the selection, but, yeah. you know, in the discussions when I first joined the company and prior is, you know, this R1 Nagori is wonderful, but can we get another one, right? Yeah. Because the one Nagori we have is absolutely amazing, but it's very specific. It's got a very specific style, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, versus, you know, having one that fills in the gap of what other people are looking for. So, yeah. you know, we purposely you know, had this one style Nagori that was, is fantastic, yeah. but it's uh, polarizing is a strong word, but it's yeah. one of those things like you like it or you don't, yeah. right? It's a powerful, you know, Genshu Nagori and, and all those things. So it's not the, it's not the same Nagori as everybody else has had. So yeah. when you get certain people, they're like, wow, this is the best, most flavorful, amazing Nagori I've ever had. And then you have other people like, where's the sweetness? Yeah. You know, like where's yeah. the stuff I was looking for? Yeah. But in, you know, to get back to the question of of what do you do? Where do we where do we go? There is more requests for Nagori. Like yeah. we've had that. I know that from my distributors going around. They're asking, "Oh, do you have another Nagori? Do you have yeah. other options?" And so, yeah. you know, we've added, like I said, just in my own portfolio, um, or you know, we've added a couple other Nagoris. So between a sparkling new release from De La Zacara to, you know, uh, another, another, the other two producers, we have three, technically three quote unquote cloudy uh, sakes in our, in our book. Now I see that growing, yeah. right. Not necessarily for company I work for, but in, in all distributors and, and all the importers, I see a broader range of, of these things happening. And I think that's because, there's demand, right? Um, so obviously, if we're still in that that fluctuating between 15, 20% of overall, you know, base again, overall sales to an extent of, of sake in the US, that's a large market. Yeah. Right. There's there's a lot of people there. And you know, we we want to capture them. And like I said a second ago, we want to capture them and then eventually bring them to all the different kinds of sake yeah. and all the different expressions so that they can experience it. Yeah. But if Nagori is what they're looking for, then we need to have that available, yeah. right? But I think you're right in the sense of the comment of even in Japan, the producers don't look at their Nagori like, oh, this is the pride and joy of my company. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are some brewers that only make Nagori, right? Yep, they, those absolutely. guys exist. There's, yep. there's, and there's some that are super, super good at it and yep. create beautiful, beautiful products that only do Nagori. Yep. Um, but I agree that in general, like if you said, all right, we're going to, we need, what's your, what's your number one product? I don't normally see a cloudy sake being put up in front of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's one thing I'm just sort of 
first kind of interested in sort of how that how that's changing or maybe going to change down the road is you know because it's you, you've got a market that's essentially saying we want it bring it you know yeah we is want that, it it almost i mean it, it feels I don't know, is Nigori kind of a gateway drug? Like, <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, I like, used to treat it, I used to treat yeah. it that way to some extent, you yeah. know, like that was the the flavored infused sakes and and the, yeah. the nigoris are are my you know my my hook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you gotta get you interested yeah. with it. Yeah. Um and Nigori does I think it does play a a major role here. Mm. And I don't have didn't have access to numbers in Hong Kong or in other Absolutely. other uh, cities or even yep. London I didn't I didn't get a response back in time to have those numbers for us yeah, but no uh, you know the idea that it is it is popular it is something that people want uh, so you know let's do our best to not tell them it's bad right like yeah. it's the it's the same as now the warm sake conversation in the beginning where you know, when I first got into sake in 1996 here in the States, there wasn't as many sakes as there are today, right? Mm -hmm. Like even in building lists in New York City, there wasn't as many importers, Yeah. right? You yeah. know, when I first started in New York, world sake imports didn't exist yet. Joto sake didn't exist yet. Sake ski didn't exist yet. Buying mm -hmm. connections hadn't started bringing in sake yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Mm -hmm. It, there's a lot of companies that now exist bringing in sake that weren't there back then. And so this broader space of all these different kinds of sake coming is why Nagori doesn't, wasn't the number one thing for them because they were, everybody was out there trying to get people into cold sake, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah. yes, Nagori is around cold, but we were pushing, we're pushing people to all these other categories and all these other expressions. I think now that, Sake is obviously not quite commonplace yet, but it's well known enough that now we can kind of zero back in on certain styles. And I think Nagori, like we've been talking about tonight, Nagori is one of those styles that I think is going to actually grow, um, but grow because it's stepping outside of, it's not, I'm the first time buyer Nagori. It's not, you know, uh, just retail sales of Nagori. It's finding these cool Nagoris that, find places on tasting menus and pair extremely well with certain dishes. And yeah. there's that depth and that thickness that plays off spice. It plays off, you know, nigoris and, and ramen. Actually, I've had some with ramen before. And like, you're thinking there's no way that's going to make any sense. And all of a sudden you're like, that's delicious. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So as we get sake in general out to more and more people, right. And with more and more cuisines, now I think nigori is going to kind of, be able to be brought in and have a whole nother a whole nother like rebirth yeah. um with new expressions and and new uses yeah i, I mean i i enjoy it yeah much more now than i did when i first got back from japan i was you know one of those guys you know don't drink nagori yeah there's so, <laughs> drink there's so much other stuff out there yeah yeah. yeah and now i'm like yeah let's see what nagori you have yeah you know and it's okay that some producers don't make it there are a lot of producers that don't make nagoris full stop Yep. you know that that's fine yeah. you know don't go out and start making a nigori just because 10 percent of the population or 15 percent of the population the u.s love yeah. it you know yeah absolutely <laughs> it, but you know if you have one and you, you're experimenting and you feel like playing around with some cool stuff yeah do it because you know i think there's places here for it and and again as wine directors and those lightly cloudy sakes are kind of 
like the hazy IPAs and the, you know, and some of the the skin contact natural wine that have more body and texture to the wines. People are looking for some of those things. And, you know, that's one of our options in in sake is having, you know, it have those textures and and the living particles, you know, especially Mm -hmm. if you're starting to play around with nama namas and 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 all those good things uh in there with the nagori all of a sudden you've got a whole nother conversation but there's people are way i feel like people are way more into beverages now than they were even mm. 15 years ago like i know yeah, that's weird that's good, everybody's no that's a good point you know everybody's always been about wine and all these things there's always mm. been geeks there's always yeah. been people into it but i feel like the broader community knows more about beverages and are geekier about beverages than they were you know, in 1990s or even in the early 2000s. I think with cell phones and the generation of learners and the ability to have all this information, now people, you know, you go to places that you wouldn't think you could get a cider, an IPA, a hazy beer, a Mm. a glass of sake and, you know, natural wine or whatever, all at the same bar, right? Or all at the same restaurant. I think that's going to help sake or it is helping sake and Mm. it'll continue to help sake. And I think I think that's where Nagori really has an initial jump off space. So you get those beer geeks that like that hazy stuff and those, those more kind of unfiltered beers that, that have more texture and more depth. This is where sake as a Nagori comes into play and can, you know, grab a whole new foothold. Yeah, absolutely. It, you're right. I guess it does just that. I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you're right. Just a general interest in beverage overall and just more time and energy investment in in liquids <laughs> you know yeah it kinda, it but kinda learning and asking questions yeah. like people ask so many questions now like you you know i remember when i was first consulting for uh sake one and was you know going around and selling yoshinogawa and some of these other products and you know i w- knew the story and i could talk about it but you know people wouldn't ask me what rice was in it or what you know, maybe they'd ask the milling amount, but they didn't, you know, no one's asking the rice, no one's asking the yeast, no one's asking, yeah. you know, yeah. how long did they ferment for? And now yeah. you get these questions almost commonplace, right? Like yeah. it's, and that, that nerdiness is going to also allow us to, to kind of develop the Nagori market into something beyond, again, just the, the sweeter, thicker white drink, yeah. um, you know, into something that's got elegance and layers and complexity too. Yeah, it creates a space for a lot more kind of dynamism within, you know, yeah. what was typically just seen as kind of a single style or a single category. Sort of a little bit of an aside question that I kind of just thought of. It's a little bit of a, a tangent, but when you present a nigori to whether it's, let's say it's a, I don't know, a workshop or an educational session for whether it's a consumer or to a restaurant or to a bar, what do you say is happening? What's the language that you use to say is happening in this spot that's, that's full of this white chunky stuff? Is this, do you refer to how it's been pressed? It being, is it filtered, a, unfiltered? Is it, what is sort of the vernacular that you use that you find to be effective and easy for people to understand? It's a little bit of a hard one because, you know, we we took that, filtered name and made it unfiltered means nagori and it's like it doesn't necessarily work that way right so there's yeah. you know unfined or yeah. not pressed or these yeah. you know all these different things so you know i try and 
one of the things I say is that when I'm starting with it, I usually end with Nagori, but like when I get to it and they're like, Ooh, that one's white. It's different. I said, well, all of these look like this at one point mm-hmm. as you know, as I said earlier, I, I do use that in my trainings and in my classes all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. these all had that cause it's, it's fermented from the grain of rice. So in this particular situation, the brewer made the choice to use a wider mesh, you know, release some of the leaves in there. Sometimes they, you know, by laws or different things, they press it fully clear and then add the leaves back in. There's all different aspects of how Nagori is created. But the yeah. idea is that I'm sharing them that it still has rice or, a, you know, some of the, that that first main ingredient is still a component of the sake. It's going to give you more texture. Yeah. It sometimes will give you more sweetness because there's unconverted sugars on the rice. So you'll get texture, you'll get a little bit more, more sweetness to this, but it's all sake. You know, again, that's really the thing is like, it's not, I try not to, I usually say pressed, but I'll use the different words if it's, if they're not getting it right. And they go, do you mean unfiltered? I've had an unfiltered sake before. I was like, okay, yes, fine. Because, you know, unfiltered kind of has a, a certain sort of connotation that sort of naturally, it just sort of gets picked up as being more, I don't like to use the word natural, but it's right. It has this, this feeling of being. Uh, of less intervention, right? Of it being right. more closer to its natural state. Um, even which is far from the truth which when is, it comes to Nagori's. <laughs> right, it's a very different scenario, right? So it becomes yeah. a little bit tricky. So that's something I always I always struggle with as well too. Even though the language is out there, it's depending on, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the usual thing they tell you when you're a server or whatever is read the room, right? So like, depending on how they're reacting, if I can just say that, hey, we put it through a wider mesh and allowed some of the particles to remain in there and everybody goes, oh, I get it. Yeah. Then we're done, yeah. right? I don't have to mention, yeah. I don't yeah. have to go any further. But if there's, if it continues, then it's like, then it's saying, okay, we pressed it or then it becomes to, well, that yes, filtered. It's filtered through a mesh. Okay, fine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that word will work if we have to make it work. Yeah. But the general idea is, is to, to really just say that, hey, this is what, they all these beverages were fermented with the rice in it right like it it this is how it happened it's this is where this beverage came from whether it's clear or not and whether they charcoal filtered it or micron filtered it or or you know various different ways of actual filtration that happens yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then you know and then the separation of the lees or the rice particles from the clear beverages is you know what we do to make a nagori or a non-nagori uh the reaction is usually what it, it's always the palate anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, get it in the glass. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the, that's how I, you know, get it there. Some people will, you know, I'm doing tastings in a, in a space and it's, Oh, I only like Nagori. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, we'll, 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 I'll end with that one then. Oh, I yeah. like Nagori's great. Well, we have one. Yeah. But we're going to, let's try these other ones first. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. that way one, you say you love Nagori, you're going to be walking away with the thing you love is the last thing you tasted anyway. Yeah, yeah. But before we get there, what if you all of a sudden realize that you think Namasake is the best thing that ever happened? Or you yeah. love you all of a sudden fell in love with the earthy mushroomy yeah. sake you never knew could taste like that. And you're a Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir fan, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I try and you know, end with Nagori anyway, especially even more so when someone says that's their favorite style. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
you're coming on you're coming on this trip you're yeah. in front of me yeah. now <laughs> you've signed up for this journey there's no turning you're, back <laughs> you're, you're on the train it's not yeah. stopping until we get to Hokkaido yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that's the idea there but I'm excited about Nagori and its and its growth and where where it can go again it, it's anytime you say sake you know listen I'm not a fan of sake bombs I don't do them but you know one of the things that I say all the time is like hey man they just yelled sake three times yeah <laughs> right like yeah. so the words in their head yeah now they don't really understand what's going on but it's like hey you, these are fun depth charges are fun sure yeah. i get yeah, it yeah. you're out you're having a blast you know <laughs> yeah. but let's talk a little bit about what you just dropped in your beer have you ever yeah. tasted it on its own do you want to try some and yeah. you know get them outside of that thing but yeah that's much better than the person who doesn't even understand what it is yeah, right? yeah. at least i have a st- yeah. i have a jump off point from that so yeah absolutely you know, very cool. And if, if Nigori can be that jump off point or anything else, wherever it can slot into that, into yeah. that, that's, Hey, it's a win for win for everybody. Exactly. I said, I'd love anywhere, anywhere I can get you. Yeah. I'm going to take any yeah. angle, any angle I can get. I'm going to take it to get you into the, into the sake world, uh, nice. whether you like it or not. <laughs> nice. uh, if it's, if it's big, bold samurai and like, yeah. you know, all dressed up and ready to go, or it's me yeah. sneaky ninja from the background, yeah. uh, getting you, I'm gonna, we're going to get you on the sake, on the sake bus. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. That, that's a future that's I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. I'm down. <laughs> Good things. Excellent. All right, Chris. Thank you very much for uh, asking so much. me to come on and talk about Nagori. No, thank you for choosing, for coming on to talk about Nagori. That was that made my day. All Chris, right, cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for staying up. I really, really appreciate it. And that will do it for this episode of Sake on Air. You can go ahead and send your thoughts and feelings about this second helping, this second round, uh, this okawari to questions at sakeonair.com or go ahead and reach out to us and follow along with us at Facebook, uh, on Twitter, or on Instagram at at Sake on Air. The show is brought to you with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association, as well as recorded and broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions, with editing done by Mr. Frank Walter. Thanks again for tuning in this week. And we'll be back in just a couple of weeks with plenty of more sake and shochu-infused goodness to come. Come by. <laughs>